Well, as we continue this series, which we started at Easter, I hope it's been encouraging for you some of the amazing truths of the Word, that Jesus didn't just raise from the dead, but there's, there's some uh, great things that we have received because of that, uh, forgiveness of our sins obviously being chief amongst those, but we talked at the beginning that uh, we have something more than this world, that Jesus promised that we have heaven, which I think gives us a different kind of perspective in this life, that we can live for something bigger. Last week, we've, we talked about we have God's Holy Spirit. We have God's presence in us and with us at all times, that God is, is always here, that we don't have to go to some temple somewhere to try to find God, uh, but he lives with us and he uh, cares about us enough to be intimately involved in each of our lives. And today, uh, we're going to continue that. Is we got the, the privilege to be able to talk to that God about the things in our lives, and it matters that your prayers aren't just going to the walls and the ceilings and the sky, uh, but are going to before the throne of God the Father, who has the power to do amazing things. And, uh, and so as we, we look at this, uh, that truth, it, it brings me back, of course, to our anchor verse for this, and I really hope uh, that you've been taking some time to really meditate on this and think about this amazing truth. Now, remember Psalm 31, 24, where David was having a pretty rough time, and as he gets to the very end of it, the, the, he reminds himself that his hope isn't in his situation or his own ability or his own power, but he says this, be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. That's the secret, right? We have to hope in the Lord, but as we do that, we're going to find his strength <laughs> And we're going to have courage. We're going to be able to take heart in the midst of it. So before I get into the message, uh, just, just say this along with me just one time. It's, it's, an, it's an amazingly encouraging truth in Scripture. So I want to make sure that you get this. So here we go. Three, two, one. Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Psalm 31, 24. Awesome. Now, I know you haven't memorized it just by saying it once. But uh, that's why we put that on that connection card for you. So tear that off and t take that with you and remind yourself of this. Because there are going to be times that you're going to feel weak and you're going to feel defeated. And when you're feeling weak and you're feeling defeated, that's when this verse becomes very important for you. Because our strength and our courage doesn't come from ourselves. It doesn't come from the things that's happening in our lives or the way that we see out. If you want to have strength, if you want to have courage, like real courage that has not just like wishful thinking, place your hope in the Lord. And, uh, and so we're going to talk about this morning why we're going to have that kind of confidence. But first I want to talk about why a lot of times we feel weak and we feel discouraged. And that's because we have big troubles and bad enemies. And, and I know that that's not news to you, right? That the reality of this life is that... Uh, that there are things in this world that are bigger than we are. And you've heard me say it many times, and I will continue to say this because there's been some bad doctrine that's been spewed out there by well-meaning people that uh, they quote scripture incorrectly, and they'll say this world uh, will, uh, is, is, is you know, uh, not that bad. Like, God's never going to allow you to face more than you can handle, and that's baloney. Now, I'll tell you, the scripture doesn't say that. It says you're not going to face more temptation than you can handle without sinning. And I'm grateful that God, you know, he... He makes sure that we, we're set up for success in our faith. But the world is more than we can handle. That's why we need something more than ourselves. Right? If God never allowed us to face more than we can handle, why would we ever need him? <laughs> but God is in this life with us. That's why he's given us the Holy Spirit. But the reality is that because this world is more than we can handle, there's a reason for that. We've got all kinds of problems. 
And Satan knows that, that if he can afflict the people of God, if he can make our lives difficult, if he can make you feel weak, if he can make you discouraged, uh, he, he could somehow sometimes weaken our faith. We, we take our eyes off Christ and we put them uh, on ourselves or our troubles. We're not very different than Peter who sees Jesus walking on the water and sees his majesty and glory and, and has a moment of faith and says, Lord, call me out to you. I want to walk on the water. And Jesus said, come on out, Peter. The water's great. And he steps out onto the water, and things are good until he sees the problems. And as soon as he takes his eyes off Jesus, he sinks. And of course, did Jesus let him drown? No, he rescued him. You see, we have troubles in this world, and that's part of that this world is a broken place. This isn't heaven. Jesus did not, did not design this world or create this world, come back to this world to make our life in this world heaven. This is not our best life right now. We have to really own that. Heaven's next, and that's coming. But, but we do have troubles, and Satan knows that if he could take our eyes off of Christ and onto the storms of our life and onto our troubles, then we're going to get distracted, right? And, and, uh, and if we do that and, and we think to ourselves, I've got to save myself, we're like splashing around in a raging sea, you know, trying just for survival. And if we do that, we're trying to rescue ourselves, we're just trying to survive, we're living for, for whatever I can can somehow survive, this world's going to overcome us. And when that happens, oftentimes, uh, people in our panic, we forget to use our, our most powerful weapon against Satan. And that is prayer, because that's calling in God. But see, God knows this, that if we place our trust in him, and if we petition him and our weaknesses and our afflictions, and, and even in our sin, then, then we're going to cast our our attention and dependency, full dependency upon him who battles for us. And then things change because the world is more than we can handle, but it is not more than God can handle. It will never be more than God can handle. We'll talk about that next week, which is really encouraging. But at least now we know in scripture that we have peace because Jesus said, hey, I've overcome the world. And so the fact of the matter is, is that whatever we face is not something that will destroy us, not because of who we are, but because of who God is. And he invites us to include him in the battle. He invites us to allow him to face the giants that, that stand before us. Right? He invites us to be able to, to come alongside him as he does his miraculous work in our lives for his glory. And so it's about our trust putting our hope in the Lord. That is, that is our putting our attention on God. That's putting our full dependency upon God. And until we get to that place, we're never going to experience the full life that God has called for us to have with him. And Ephesians uh, 6.12 says this, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Right? You get that, that our, our troubles aren't what they appear to be. And this was one of the reasons why, you know, I talked about last week, why I got away from social media and the news, because uh, one, it was just the brokenness of this world became too crushing for me, and I, was, and I was trying to take it on on my own, and I felt very powerless and all that kind of stuff. But the other thing is it made me do is it made me hate other people, right? It made me uh, go against an enemy that's not my enemy. And I think that there are certain people in this world that, that uh, stand against God, and therefore, you know, and they seem to be doing all the wrong things, and then I start to hate those people. Not the one that's pulling the strings behind them, the enemy, Satan. 
And when I do that, I start to become polarized like so much of our culture is. Doesn't it make you sick that we're fighting holy wars over beer brands right now? I mean, how bad is it that we can hate anybody for any reason? Humans have has the capacity to do this, and we all do so with such self-righteousness. But God invites us to something different. And he reminds us, that, hey, listen, you've got to look behind. Look, what's behind all of this brokenness? See, our struggle is against the spiritual forces of the evil in the heavenly realms. That's where the real battle is. You can't see the devil, but he can see you. We can't see the enemy, but he knows us. But here's the cool thing is God sees him and knows him and has thoroughly destroyed him. Now, so we recognize that the roots of our struggle run deep. Our enemy is very big. He is very bad. He is very well motivated. You think that people are, are so you know, powerful that we're going to overcome the devil? Think about this. He's been around since the beginning. He doesn't have to sleep, right? That's, that's pretty bad. And people are so predictable that you talk about things and your phone can bring up ads and stuff, and we thought that our phones were always listening to us, and that's why we got ads. That's true, but part of it is it can predict by what you've watched and what the apps you use and all these things, what kind of product you want to, to purchase. And that's where some of those pop-up ads and stuff come from. Like, we are really predictable, and if, if our computers can predict us, how much more than the enemy, who's been around watching humans for a very long time, playing the very same game over and over and over again, we're not going to outsmart him. And we're not going to overpower him, not in ourselves. See, if, if our struggle is against this demonic force, these evil powers in the heavenly realms that we cannot see, we cannot outsmart, we, he, he's got our number, then what hope do we have? Well, I think this is that in that same verse in Ephesians, it says this, to pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests, and with this in mind, be alert. Always keep praying on for all the Lord's people. Like, this is where we begin to have our power. Like, the scripture doesn't say, hey, you've got this, this enemy that you as people are completely defenseless against. It says, all right, we have an enemy, but here's our defense. In fact, it's oftentimes our offense. What are we to do? We put our hope in the Lord. This is how we're strong. This is how we have courage. That we pray in the spirit on all occasions. Now, I don't go into my office and then, and then have this meditation time every week where I, I try to listen to myself and find myself so I can think more clearly of how I'm going to solve my problems. When I go into my office, or more likely every morning when I go onto the elliptical at the gym and I put my earphones in onto silence so I shut out the world and I pray and I talk to God. You know what I'm asking for? I'm like, God, make me disappear. I want you because I don't have the solution. And the things that I think might work are probably not it, but I need your help. I pray in the spirit. I don't look for just physical answers or political answers or social answers to the, to the political and physical and social problems of the day. There is a spiritual root of brokenness that God undoes, and that begins to create uh, order from the ground up. We pray in the spirit, and I'm glad the scripture says that I can do that on all occasions. So that means the elliptical, and it means my office. And it means when I'm at the grocery store and it means when people come to my office for counsel and I'm like, Lord, I need your help and your wisdom. It means that I can pray at all times because every occasion is part of that all occasions, even now, which is great. Think how horrible it would be if God said, pray on you know, Mondays or Thursdays between the hours 
of three and, and seven, when I'm going to be on the throne, and I'll cue you up, and I'll listen to you, and make sure that it's brief, you know, for 35, 40 seconds, because there's a lot of people in this world, so you don't want to clog things up. How horrible that would be. See, I think the reality is, is a lot of times we face problems in this world because we don't talk to God about them. Many of us don't, don't practically realize the power of prayer, and therefore we do not utilize it. See, if, if we state our belief in prayer, but there is not a lot of prayer in our lives, then we're not really... <laughs> doing anything. We're, we're lacking the power. We have a form of godliness, but we're not really a, a acknowledging or, or clinging to its power. The prayer is important, and this is for every Christian. I, I want to, a case in point, I get an uh, update when I leave church every Sunday from my phone that tells me my screen time. Do you get one of those every week? Have you ever compa- contrasted your screen time to your prayer time? Oftentimes, I, at first, I thought, I don't have time for prayer. Oh, I do. I'm just using the adult pacifier, right? And I'm wasting so much time that I could be spending with God. I'm looking at things that don't fill me, that don't empower me, that don't equip me. And this doesn't mean that I can't ever look at my phone. But I think if you look at your phone today, when you get that, then you're like, when would I have time to pray? That will tell you when you have time to pray. So today we're going to look at what makes prayer so powerful. It is powerful, but why? But we're going to go into also reasons we need prayer's power, right, that in our lives. So if you have your Bibles, I would like you, I invite you to turn to James chapter 5. All right, and James, this is, uh, James is, uh, was written by James, uh, the brother of Jesus, known as James the Just. Remember, he was not a believer. When Jesus uh, rose from the dead, he shows up and reveals himself to his brothers. James, one of them, Jude, another one, writes some scripture. James becomes a powerful leader of the church, even though he was an apostle, becomes the leader of the church in Jerusalem, fully respected by everyone, including the Jewish leadership. I mean, he's an amazing guy. And, but as you read the, the book of James, you're going to find that he was a, a man of, of prayer. He talked to his brother a lot. In fact, church history talks about James as they describe him, and they said his knees were as tough as camel's hair. And I got to ride a camel a few years ago, and that put a whole new meaning on that. That was not comfy. Like no one, I have, I have a camel hair coat that someone gave me. It's really, really nice and soft, and I thought that camel's hair would be nice and soft. No, it was, it was tough. This was a guy that prayed so often that that the people knew him uh, and described him. This was one of the ways they said, man, his knees are like, are like leather. He we began the, the revolution of the world, right? This renovation of human souls, in, even in Jerusalem, not by his own powerful oratory skills or his charisma. In fact, if you read the book of James, you're going to see probably lacked a little of both of those. But the reason that he became powerful is because he, he allowed God to be engaged through him. He was a man of prayer. And in James chapter 5, verse 13 through 16, we read, Is anyone among you in trouble? So let me ask, is anyone among us in trouble? Yeah. Let them pray. This is the answer. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? 
Let them call on the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. And if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Isn't that amazing? I think it's so cool that in Scripture, look what he says. He doesn't say, if anyone is in trouble, just let the pastors pray. He says, if you're in trouble, you pray. God wants to hear from you. You don't have to go to a temple. You don't have to come to the church. You can pray on all occasions, at any time. And God wants to heal you. He wants to hear from you. He wants to help you. So you pray. But it's not just you. It's not just that we're on our own. Notice that the Christian faith was designed to be lived in the family of faith, that you were not to be born again as an orphan, but as part of God's wonderful family where you can grow up in faith. So the rest of that is not just you. You have others around you who also are, we are commanded and invited to join us in prayer. We have elders are praying. That at your church, you have these older brothers of faith that come alongside and pray for you as well. And not just that, that we have everyone in the church prays for each other, not just for our own problems, but on behalf of each other. And we don't just do that because it makes us feel good. We do that because it's effective. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And that is amazing. And you might say to yourself, well, Aaron, that's wonderful, but I'm not righteous. Well, what did we just celebrate a few minutes ago? Communion. And was it in communion that our sins were paid for? And when you came to faith, were you not baptized and your sins washed away? Eternally cleansed? One sacrifice for all time? God has made you righteous if you are his child. That's why when we go before God's throne and we get to, to see him, it, I'm so grateful that I have an advocate who speaks before me. And when God looks at my life and all the things that I've done, both good and bad, that, that we talk about being covered by the blood, that doesn't mean that we're just physically drenched by blood. That would be sick and weird. But that God's blood, that Christ's blood has paid for all of my sins. And when God looks down on me, he sees the debt is paid. He sees that I have been redeemed and that he is making me holy, sanctified. That God makes us righteous. And I want you to hear this, that God listens to his children. The prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. If you are in Christ, your prayers are powerful and effective, and it has very little to do with you. It has everything to do with the God who saved you. That's why the prayers are powerful and effective. Not so much the one who is asking, but the one who is acting. You see the difference. And so I want to talk about, first of all, here's two important truths about prayer that we're going to have to cover, and then we're going to talk about some of the reasons that we need prayer. So the first one is that God makes prayer powerful. That's the thing. God desires to have fellowship with us, right? Uh, and uh, that's um, a wonderful truth that we find in Scripture. He died on the cross. He knew he was going to rise again. Right? This wasn't a surprise. And he didn't just do that to, to 
uh, purchase us as slaves, which he could have done, but he did so to purchase us as his own children. We even sung about that this morning, that we once were beggars and now we are royalty. Why would that happen? Because Jesus purchased us and he, as adopted family members, now we're part of his royal family. He did that for fellowship, with, for relationship. God wants to know you, and he does know you, but he also wants you to know him. And so God has given us a prayer as a means to communicate with him. That's uh, what a wonderful truth is that, that you don't have relationship without communication. Most wives here would say amen, right? You have to talk. You have to know each other, hear each other's hearts. And so prayer is an opportunity for us not just to speak to God our needs and desires, but also to listen to God, to hear what he has to say to us. As we read his word, as we, as we spend time in prayer and just be quiet, to hear what God has. You know, once a year I like to go and, and take some time, about a week if, I, if possible, and have a spiritual retreat. And I didn't do it last year, so I really need to do it. But I'll start and I'll just fast because I want to get everything out. And at the beginning I fast, um, I just pray. And I talk to God and I tell him everything that's on Aaron's heart. And I talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and I go to bed. And I wake up the next day and says, I don't have to cook or anything like that. I've got more time and I can complain and I can, I can beg and I can tell him my fears. I can tell him my joys and I can thank him. And I talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. It usually takes me two, three days because I got a lot of words, right? <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> and then I realize that at some point I'm just empty. I have nothing more to talk to God about. Everything has been talked out. And at that point I get to break the fast. And then what do I do? I listen. I just wait. Sometimes for a day, sometimes two days. But I just wait. I mean, God's already heard everything. It's amazing sometimes he'll lead me to a place in Scripture. Maybe he'll lead me to a hymn that I remember from, from church or things, a truth, and begins to, I begin to hear God. The prayers that I've been praying, all of a sudden, it's amazing how he begins to guide me or direct me. And, and then by after a couple days, I start to become full again. <coughs> And then I really break the fast and have like really good food. And then the rest of the day, I like watch a movie or something I want to do. But here's the reason that works is because I'm hearing from God. God is the one who is answering me. God makes prayer powerful. So think about like uh, a little kid might go to like a, a king, right? And ask him for something amazing. Say like, king, I need to have, you know, my, my village is poor and they need food. And the king's like, all right, I'll get uh, food for your village. And then feeds them all. Who made the 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 village fed? Was it the kid or was it the, the king? Well, it, they both needed to be there. The child needed to ask. But if the king wasn't the king, if the, if the kid just asked, you know, his neighbor John, the village ain't going to be fed. It matters who we talk to. This is why Christian prayer matters. We actually have to talk to God. We, we don't talk to saints. Uh, we don't talk to angels. We don't talk to Buddha or dead people because what are they going to do? We talk to the God of the universe who has the power to make things happen. That when we talk to God, we are engaging the king of the universe to bring bread to our village, to feed us, to care for us, to handle our needs. That we're talking to the God who has the power and the ability to do effective things. That's why when Jesus said to the disciples, he said, listen, uh, people of little faith, do you understand that, uh, the, that faith the size of a mustard seed can move a mountain? Is it because that faith moves mountains? No, it's because God moves mountains. That if you have faith enough to go to God, he can do the impossible in your life because it's God is the one who's at work. 
Recognize this is the joy of having the Holy Spirit with us. He's intimately aware with everything that's in our heart and lives, right? He knows what's going on. He even knows what we ought to pray, even when we don't. And he says, I'll partner with you, and I'll actually ask for what you really need. That's awesome. But he's not just speaking it out there. He's, he's the God who has the power to make things happen. That you have God with you. The all-powerful, all-knowing, all-wise God with us. And he makes things happen, that you have God. And so God desires, therefore, that we, we pray to him. And God has the means to answer our prayers, which I think is, is amazing. And God wants to bless us, right? That's the thing, that God doesn't, didn't uh, save us in this life so that we'd have the perfect life. That's heaven. It's coming next. But he doesn't want you to be destroyed. He wants you to be faithful. He wants you to be an overcomer in this life. He wants you to do battle against the kingdom of darkness. He wants to humiliate the devil through simple people like us. I think that's uh, how humiliating for the devil, right? With, with these temporary small people overcome him. <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's like the ultimate flex. That God is at work in our lives. And he wants to, to allow his power to be manifest through us for his glory. So, in verse 14, we recognize we pray with fervency. He says, call on the elders, that we're going to pray and anoint people with oil, right? It's not just like uh, we have these light prayers, that when we go to God, we're just like, okay, Lord, whatever. No, we want to go to him. We want to pray with fervency. If you've got problems in your life, Pray. It, it may make sure that it's, it's effective at the point that you're actually asking God, really engaging him. You, why would God answer prayer you don't really care much about? But if you go to him and you talk to him and you're like, Lord, I need you. And, and with fervency and with, with desperation, enough to sometimes we even go to like church elders or other Christians and we're like, help. Why would the God who saved your soul abandon you? He won't. And verse 15 talks about we're supposed to pray with faith. It says, a prayer offered in faith will, will make them well. So our prayers are not by demand. Our prayers are not just like, well, God may do this or not. In fact, other places in Scripture, it says if we pray that way, why would God answer you? We're being duplicitous. But if we trust that God actually hears us and has the power to answer, and we can trust his answer, he will always answer. Now, that doesn't mean that he always does what we ask. Because we don't make demands of God, we pray in faith. Praying in faith means that we trust the God of the universe who is wise and who is very aware of our things and who has demonstrated that he loves us more than we even love him. He's going to do what's best. So let me give you an example. Um, a few years ago, my wife started to get really, really sick, right? And I prayed, Lord, heal her, right? And I prayed fervently. I had the elders come over, anoint her with oil. I had all of you pray that we're here. Prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And guess what? She didn't get healthy. Does that mean that God didn't care? No. You see, what I discovered later on in this is that I talked to the God who could heal her, and he still can, anytime he wants to, and I still ask him about it all the time, by the way. But it means that because he hasn't yet, he's got a purpose for her illness, and he has, he has demonstrated that time and time again. Her faithful walk in this difficult time has, has been a ministry to so many, including me, has drawn me deeper in faith, that God is using it. So here's the thing, that when I talk to God, if he wants to do what I ask, he's going to do that. But he might do something different than I ask, but he's doing something so I can trust it. Now I have peace, that my God is engaged. And so we pray in faith, trusting God. We want to be faithful to him. But we also want to pray in righteousness. Look at verse 16. 
If we're going to talk to God and it's his power, we want to make sure that we go in the right way. He says, confess your sins to each other. If we are holding on to sin, we're saying, God, I'm going to continue to live in rebellion with you, but I want you to, to make your, world, your, your will manifest in my life. God's like, well, you are choosing not to make my will manifest in your life. So if we're going to talk to him, we don't want to be perfect, but we have to have an attitude that says, God, I want your will manifest in my life, and so by the example of my life, I'm actually going to live that way. And if I've sinned, I confess it. I say, God, this is what I've done. Don't just forgive me for my sins. Cleanse me of the unrighteousness, right? But I want your way in my life. When we begin to pray in righteousness, well, there's a, there's a really powerful thing that's in that. It doesn't mean that we're perfect. It doesn't mean that you're going to do it always well, but when we're loyal to God, when we say to God, I'm not playing around with me being boss of my life anymore, you're the Lord, I'm going to go things your way, not perfectly, so when I mess up, I want to talk to you about it, but we begin to go with God and say, I really want your will manifest in my life, and I demonstrate that through my submission to you, if I love you, I will obey your commands, guess what? God's will becomes manifest in our lives. I think a lot of times Christians have what they would say ineffectual prayers, is not because God is ineffectual, he's waiting for us to actually say, okay, Lord, I'm asking you to bring your will into my life. Now I'm actually going to walk in it. Once you start walking in his will, the floodgates of heaven begin to open. So walk in his will. But I thought this too is, is that God makes prayer powerful when, when we pray on behalf of each other as well. This is everyone's supposed to pray for each other. That's called intercession. That's what I do every week for you, and it's a great privilege. I've seen God work in so many of your lives where you've said, you've had the faithfulness to say, God, I, I need your help in this area. I need your help with this person in my life. I need your wisdom. I need whatever. And, and as your church family begins to surround you and to pray for you, how God begins to move. Sometimes he does a change in your own heart in life first. Sometimes he begins just to address the problem that God is engaged. And it's because we're talking to God. You're not just bringing your prayers to a church. Because if Let's be honest about this. If you bring your prayers to Aaron and you pray to me, I can't change things. I can't even watch the news. But God can change things. He's the God who raises up kings and brings them low. He's the God who can do anything. And so the first thing is let's make sure that our, our, our life, our hearts are being connected to God. So ultimately what makes prayer so powerful is that we're not relying on our own strength. But we're relying on God's strength. And so... We humbly trust that God is divine, and we humbly trust his answers to, to care and to work through our lives. So when we pray, let's go back to the thing. It's not demanding my will. You're not sitting on the throne commanding God when you pray. Lord, if you loved me, you would obey my commands. That's not how it works. Jesus said if we love him, we'll obey his commands. But as we do that, as we bring our lives in submission to his will and we invite God into our lives, our prayers become a powerful thing, right? And, and uh, I think there's a lot of hope in that, right? Because God will do more than we could ever take credit for ourselves. Psalm 55 verse 22 says this, Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Right? So cast your cares on the Lord, but... This is the God who doesn't leave us. He sustains us. He keeps us through them, the problems, the troubles, the trials, tribulations, the difficulties. That God is going to carry us not just in this life, but to the next where he's prepared a place for us. But we have to cast our cares upon him. So if right now you're in trouble, you've, maybe you're sick, you've got difficulties, 
right? Like it says, anybody here have troubles? <laughs> right? Let them pray. Pray. Talk to the God who loves you, but pray in faith. Pray in faithfulness. Pray in such a way that you submit your heart to his will. And the prayers of a righteous person affect much because our God is the ones we're talking to. The second reason that we want to pray is because prayer gives us confidence. Right? Remember it says, be strong and take heart. <laughs> All you put your hope in the Lord. So when we pray, where are we putting our hope? The reason that we're praying to God is because we need his help. <laughs> you put your hope in the Lord, you're going to find strength and you're going to find confidence. Just like I did with, with my family, right? Uh, there are times that things just aren't working well and I talked to God about it and now I've engaged him. I also do a self-look into my life and I say, okay, Lord, are there ways in which I am rebelling against you? Because I really, if I'm asking for your will in my life, I want to make sure I'm living it. And as I do that, I see God do the most amazing things. He cares for me and my family and my church family and my community. God has got a really big heart. And so I have confidence when I begin to pray to the God of the universe, that the God who created everything in six days, the God who can speak stars into existence, is the very same God who is at work with the tiny little problems of my life, even though they might seem big. And so I have strength in the midst of it. I know that either he's going to address the problem or he's going to overcome the problem somehow or he's going to use it. So I want to talk about three ways that we pray that prayer gives us confidence or times that prayer gives us confidence. Three practical ways that we find. The first one is that prayer gives us confidence in our suffering. Do you know that Jesus promised that uh, in this world you're going to have trouble? But that's not news. Does that surprise anybody? But you know this, that it's not just Christians who suffer. Pagans suffer too. That's not a question. Like everybody's going to have suffering in this world. Why? Because we broke the world. That's why we sinned against God. We said, oh, you made it this way. We're going to run it however we want. And then we wonder why we suffer. Now, everybody's going to suffer. But when we begin to engage God, our suffering now can take on purpose. There are times that God saves us from the suffering. I've seen God heal people. I've seen God change people's financial situations. I've seen God turn hearts of spouses and children uh, around that we just never thought was possible. Like, <laughs> I've seen God do the miraculous many, many times. I've also seen God choose not to change the heart of a spouse, not to heal somebody from a sickness, not to change a child's heart, but instead change the person who's been praying. And for, for that suffering to prepare them and shape them and do something way bigger than they were asking to be done. But God says that if you suffer, pray. In fact, look at verse 13 in your Bible, right where we were there. He says that if, if, if you have troubles or illness, what are we supposed to do? Pray. That God doesn't say, well, I knew you were going to have troubles. I'm sovereign. I knew all this, so don't bother me with that. He says, if you're in trouble, talk to me about it. Engage me in it. God wants to hear from you when, when you're going through difficulties. He wants to help. But he's not going to help if we don't ask because he's a gentleman. Right? God's not going to impose himself on you. But when we humble ourselves and we say, God, I'm, I'm fixing my, my, my heart and my mind on you and your faithfulness. I, I, want, I, want, I need your help and I want your help. When we bring him into that, we authorize God and the power of, of, the, of the Almighty begins to intervene in our behalf. That's a powerful thing. When you are suffering, which is a time that most people pray, Aren't you glad to know that God has invited you to come to him in that time? He doesn't say, when you've got your life together, when you're good enough, you can come talk to me. Or if the God of the universe says, why am I bothered by your petty little problems? He doesn't. 
He says, if you suffer, if you're sick, if, you, if you're scared, if, if you're being crushed, come and talk to me. See, faithful Christians suffer in this life, but we also suffer extra because we have not just the brokenness of this world, but we also have the enemy of our souls. Who's, if you are faithful in Christ, you should expect resistance, right? That's, it's not fun, but at least it's a sign you're going the right way, right? And so when we have that, we talk to God who doesn't just overcome this world, but has also overcome and destroyed the enemy. So talk to him. And I think suffering is a, is a thing that God allows us to have in our life for this brief period of time which we live on this earth because it punctuates how much we need him. He doesn't cause our suffering. We do enough of that ourselves. The enemy does that too. But God will allow it. He sees things, and I think oftentimes he does that to say, all right, uh, we need God. We need him to come into our lives. We, uh, we invite him in, and it's those moments that uh, allow us to open ourselves up to him. I think in heaven, hopefully that lesson will be, have been fully learned. I'm pretty sure it will be. So we won't have to suffer again. That's what it says. But you're learning the lesson now. So in your suffering, let it draw you to God. And as you do, know that your suffering is not outside of his power because God is bigger than your suffering. So go to him. The second way that we have is prayer gives us confidence in our concern, right? The people and our problems in our lives that, that bring us uh, worry or doubt or, or we're concerned about, uh, God says, Talk to me about that. Verse 16, he says, pray for each other. Do you see that in your scripture there? He says, pray for one another. I care about you, which is why I pray for you. I don't have the same problems that, that you have, and you're in the same problems that I have, but, but I do have this, is I have a, a love for you. And so when you hurt, I hurt. A- and when you go through difficult things, uh, that it affects me and affects my heart. And so I go before God on your behalf all the time because I love you. Well, I shouldn't just be the only one in the church, and I'm so glad to know that I'm not. We have an amazing prayer team every week that just prays for this church. We need to pray for each other and our concerns, the things that worry us, the things that, that, that trouble us. That God says, bring your, cast your cares upon him. That's what he invites us to do. That's called intercession, and it's a wonderful, powerful thing that the church is supposed to do for each other. And as we love each other and bring our concerns to God, we invite him in. Prayer also gives us confidence in our needs. And and in this short passage, there are several that he just talks about very directly. The first one is for forgiveness, which is our first greatest need. When you find yourself sinning, sometimes we don't even want to stop sinning. Have you ever noticed that? Am I the only one? Right? But there are times that we know what God's word has to say, and we're like, "Ah, but Lord, I kind of like how I'm living, and I'm grateful that you forgive me, but I really don't want to change. You know, sometimes the prayer has got to change my heart. Uh, realign whatever's broken here that makes me want to keep eating poison. I don't want that anymore. But we allow God to change us. But, but the cool thing is that he says, if we talk to him, he forgives us. Uh, First John, you know, if we confess our sins, he's faithful, he's just, and he's faithful, we'll always do it. He's just, he's right to do so. In fact, if he didn't forgive us, there would be something unjust about it because Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He's faithful and just and will always forgive us our sins. And then the bonus, and will cleanse us of all, all unrighteousness. So for forgiveness, if you today find yourself at odds with God, living outside of his will and his word, you have the right and the invitation by God to come and talk to him. Confess your sins. He already knows they're there. That's a big surprise, right? He knows about it. Bring it before him. Receive his forgiveness. He's not going to go there and just lecture you and condemn you. That's not what God does. 
He wants to forgive you and to cleanse you. So pray for forgiveness. And you notice in Scripture, it says sometimes that the prayer that people who are, are sick, it's because they're sinning. It says their sins will be forgiven and, and that they would be brought back to health. Sometimes what's keeping us from God's best is ourselves. So pray to God for forgiveness and he'll forgive you. He also talks about wisdom. James 1.5, does anyone lack wisdom? He says, why don't you pray to God the Father? That's what earlier on in the book, I think it's an amazing thing. And I love how he says that he's going to give it to anybody without looking for fault. So God's not going to go through his little book and says, well, does Aaron deserve my, my wisdom today? No, Aaron's been a moron, so I'm not going to give him my wisdom. I'm done telling him what's wise. No, as we talk to God and we say, Lord, I need your help. I need your wisdom. It says you have it. What a gift. Because God knows everything, and so we can trust him. In Luke 18, we're invited to say, God says so we could pray to him for justice, which makes me really happy because one of the reasons I had to stop watching the news is because in this world, it seems sometimes justice is paralyzed, right? Bad people seem to win a lot, and that really bothers me, like to a deep core level, right? Like a really just, ugh, right? And so I want to I hate the person instead of the darkness that's behind them. But God said, no, 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 don't take justice into your own hands. Put it into my hands. And that gives me a lot of peace because God has bigger fists than me and he punches at the right things. And so we pray for justice and we wait on the Lord to bring justice. But how tragic would it be for our world to have Christians who have the power and the invitation to talk to the judge of all things, to ask him for, judges, for justice if we never did? If we just allowed the wicked things in this world just to keep going on and we thought we were going to somehow change it with our social action or, or somehow we're going to be such do-gooders that we're going to overcome the, our, with our social change all the injustices of this world. No, God says, talk to me about justice. I want to bring justice. Our God is a God of justice. So pray to him. Talk to him about it. He, he is already wanting to bring justice. <laughs> so unleash him. And I think how we say is Ephesians 6 goes on that we can talk to God really, at, at really about anything. Anything. What an amazing thing. That it's not just pray about specific things that God has authorized. He said bring all your cares to him, all your concerns. Ask him. And so if you have a need, maybe it's health, maybe it's relationship issue, maybe it's financial issue, maybe it's a spiritual issue, maybe it's a psychological issue, talk to God. Now, I don't know how he's going to answer because that's his prerogative. He will always do what is right and what is best. But bring, bring your needs before him and let God be, uh, give him the ability to come in, give him the authorization to come into your life and be the one who is your sustainer, who is your redeemer, who is the one who is uh, your help. Luke uh, eleven nineteen says, So I say to you, and this is Jesus talking, by the way, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is why we have confidence. This is why we take heart, because prayer is powerful. We're talking to a God who, who knows. He says, if we, if we ask, 
we're going to be answered. If we knock, the door's going to be open to us, right? If we seek, we're going to find it. It's not like God is hiding his will or his power or his goodness from us. He's inviting us to come to him. He says, please, just talk to me about it. Seriously, take it and realize that when you pray, it's not up to you. It's not how righteous and good you are. It's how powerful and good God is, right? So he invites us to go to him as our heavenly father, and he says, I'm not going to destroy you. I'm not going to be like, oh, you want bread? Well, here's some scorpions in your life. It's not how he works. That if you seek him, you're absolutely going to find him. He's not hiding himself in any way. He wants to have relationship with you. He wants to, to have a, 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 a working life with you. He wants to be able to have this intimacy in your life with you. He wants to partner with you, be the Holy Spirit who's called our helper and our advocate and our comforter is there to help you, but we have to talk to him. And we can talk to him. And that's why I'm encouraging us to be strong and take heart. Wherever you are today, put your hope, not in yourself, but put in the Lord. And how is that demonstrated? Pray. That, that we can talk to God. And so prayer is powerful because it invites God's in this in, in intervention. That's why it's powerful. And God hears the prayers of his children, every single one of them. And nothing is too big for God. So if you're praying big, pray big. But pray specifically. And by the way, none of these mamby-pamby prayers, God be with us, he's already with you. Right? God, direct me in this. Lord, may there be peace on earth. No, no, no. God, bring peace into this situation, into this heart. Lord, Please, you know, provide all of our needs. No, God, provide this need. How are you going to know he's going to answer if you're just doing these wicked, crazy, mamby-pamby, milk-toast prayers? Ask God. Ask him. Talk to him. Nothing's too big. If it's, if it's a health issue or relationship issue, there's something that's just so broken, you don't know how to fix it. If you have a sin in your life that you can't root out on your own and you've tried and tried and tried, talk to him. He's bigger than it. If there's injustice in this world that just drives you crazy, talk to him. He's the God of justice. He, he's the God of the big. He can do anything. But also, no prayer is too small. No prayer is too small. It's not like God's going to be like, oh, don't bother me with that. I'm working on world peace right now. He cares for you. If you need wisdom to what decision to make in your life or a job, if you need help on figuring something out, God is not like, well, I don't care about those things. He's the God of the big and the tiny. He made the, the universe and the galaxies, and he made the, the cells and, and uh, the corpse and, and all the little atoms that we're made up of. He's the God of the detail as much as he is the God of the big. So talk to him. And know this, that the prayers of the righteous are powerful. If you are saved by grace through faith, God wants to hear from you. But as we go to him, let's make sure that we're following him. We're inviting God's will into our lives, that we're actually living out God's will in our lives. And as we do that, we're putting our trust in him, our confidence in him. We're, and I'll, I'll tell you what, God doesn't drop his children. So take heart, dear church, prayer is powerful. How do you apply that this week? Some things I would encourage you to do. On your connection card, some things. First one is why don't you memorize Psalm 34, uh, 21. And why do I want you to do that? Because it reminds us that we don't got it all together, but God does. Be strong and take heart. Who? All you who put your hope in the Lord. That's who. 
But when you put your hope in the Lord, guess what you can do? You can be strong, and you can have this kind of courage. So memorize that. It's not even a hard one, and it's happy too. So when you're worried, you can remind yourself, my strength and my courage don't come from myself, it comes from God. Next thing I'm going to challenge you to do is why don't you read Matthew chapter 7? Why? Read it, and you'll find out, and you'll be really happy you did. And I promise, it doesn't even take more than like four minutes, and I'm a slow reader, but it is a great passage, and you will be encouraged this week. So read it. Something else I'm going to challenge, and I really invite everyone in our church to do this. We have two different ways that we like to pray for five. The first one is we, as a church, know that God has given us a calling, a, 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 a very clear mandate. We're going to saturate the valley of Esther Park with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what he's called us to do. We are driven towards that, and we are working towards that very, very in intelligently and intentionally. That's what we're doing. And in order to do that, one of the things that must happen is that we all need to be praying. So on your, in your bulletins, there's even a thing here that tells us that this is how we're supposed to pray. Every day of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, join us. Yes, your leadership is praying, but we all need to pray. We need to ask God to help us in all of these things because it's not, we're, we're not big enough to, to fulfill the mandate that God has handed us on purpose. So pray. So pray five days a week. And here's a great thing to do to help you with that. And this is what I've done. I have a smartphone. I don't know if you have one. I don't want to brag, but, you know, I got a smartphone. And what I did on my smartphone is I created every Monday a reoccurring appointment that tells me, it says, Monday, pray for our new home, for landed building, right? Not just that, and that we've become the right people to fill it at just the right time. And it dings every single morning, the same time, and I look at, oh, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to pray for that. And then I just do. It doesn't take very long. On Tuesday, I do the same thing. So, you know, that's, so just start praying. Make it a habit. Join us in that. The second thing I want you to pray for five are five people that, that you know who need to know God, who maybe aren't Christians, who don't have, or maybe they, they are Christians, but don't have a church family and they need one. Pray for them, right? Ask God to give you the, the opportunity and the times and the words and the wisdom when that comes and the courage when it comes to be able to invite them. But start praying for our community because God works where we invite him. So, I'm, so I challenge each of us, commit to praying for five. Next thing I'm going to invite you to do is become an intercessor. This is a special work of the church. We have a prayer team. They get a, the email. When you guys put prayer requests down, if you say for the prayer team, it goes, doesn't just go to me. It goes to them as well. And we want to engage as many who would actually do this. This is not gossip hour in the church. This is looking in there and saying, I'm going to be praying for the, the needs of the body. And if you would like to be an intercessor, be added to that, then, and you're not part of that already, mark this down and let us have your email address and then you, we can engage you in that. And every week you're going to get an email that talks about the prayer needs. And then sometimes throughout the week as needs come up, our intercessors of the church begin to pray. This is a powerful ministry in the church and I encourage you, if, you, if you're being, feel called to this, put that down because the church needs you, right? So let me know if you'd like to do that. Now, something else you need to do. If you're not a follower of Jesus, Let's not talk about prayer yet. Prayer is for the Christian. Right? We get to talk to God because we've been forgiven and we've been saved. The prayers of the righteous are powerful and avail as much. If you have not taken that first step to follow Jesus, to accepted the, his grace and forgiveness, right? you have uh, allowed him to pay for your sins and then you die to them and are, are born again, then you need to take that first step first. You have to begin there. And, and if you need to do that, I want you to know there's a God who loves you who cares for you. And it's not just that he's saving you from hell. He's not just saving you from yourself. He's saving you for himself. He's saving you for heaven, but also relationship. 
And so if you need to take this first step to become a follower of Jesus, let me know that. But also make sure I have a way to, to contact you. Or if you'd like, after the service, come talk with me. And I'll help you understand how do you take those steps of faith so that way you can be born again and you can receive the Holy Spirit and you can also begin to have this amazing power and the confidence that we gain through it in prayer. All right? So those are our commitments that I'm challenging you to make. If there's something else that God's telling you to do, obviously write that down. Let me know so I can support you as a pastor. You got prayer requests? What a great day to put those down. And write those on your connection card. And here in a minute, we're going to collect those along with our tithes and our gifts. Just drop those in the offering basket as it's passed. Let me pray for us as we make our commitments this morning. Heavenly Father, it's so good to know that when we pray, you're listening, Lord, because it's... Uh, um, I don't have the answers, but you do. And I don't have the power, but you do. And uh, so, Father, I'm grateful to know that you've invited us to talk to you about big things and small things and all things. Lord, today, I pray that for those in this church who have heavy hearts, who are, who are struggling or hurting, who are, are going through difficult things, Father, that they would be uplifted. That, Father, that this connection and prayer would be made fresh and that, that, that in the midst of the, the crazy waves of this life, that they'd be able to focus back on you and you'd lift them above the waves again. Father, I pray that uh, as we come to you this week in prayer, that you would help us to resist our big troubles and our bad enemy, the devil, that we would not allow him to discourage us, that to tell us that prayer doesn't matter, to tell us that we're wasting our time. But Father, keep us focused on truth. Let us follow you fully. Father, I pray that we would see your will and your goodness manifest in the lives of all that are here in this, in this church. Father, that your glory be demonstrated through us, your power and your presence would be proved through that. Father, I know that we're supposed to take some next steps in fellowship today and in faithfulness today. I pray for each one who's taking those steps that you would give us the capacity, the ability to, to be able to follow through in that, not in, in a way to just earn uh, your, your pleasure, but, Father, in a way to connect with your heart. Lord, and, and for all the prayer requests that are lifted today uh, and that are written there, I, Father, I pray that you guide us as a church as we lift them together this week before your throne, as we trust your answer, as we await the good things that you're doing in our lives. So, Father, we give these things to you along with the tithes and gifts uh, as an expression of our faith and our love for you. We pray all this in the wonderful name of our Savior, Jesus.